Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One one pitch, fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Keith, and Chris. Well, I hope you didn't stream two-star pitchers this week. We warned you. Didn't we warn you, Scott? Didn't we warn everybody? Yeah, it wasn't pretty, and it wasn't pretty. No, it was ugly. Why did you say that twice? Well, for each the options weren't pretty. and then it wasn't pretty, yeah. the result. Oh, okay. Chris Bollard. Thank you. Chris, thank you for being the smart one here. Uh, yeah, oh, of course. That's my, that's my job on the podcast. <laughs> I think we can all agree. I realize that as I look at the notes that I sent, I have a typo in the second word of the notes. I have Monday's standouts instead of standouts. So I guess it's going to be that kind of day. Adam, Scott, and Chris. We're the stand touts. Yeah. We're touts. Tout wars. That's what people call us, right? Sure. Tout wars. Yeah, and Yuli Gurriel is the colossus of clout these days. Uh, He, Mm -hmm. since June 23rd, is the number one hitter in fantasy. He has a 1345 OPS since June 33rd. uh, June June 33rd. (laughs) (laughs) This is outstanding. June 23rd. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh. uh, he's batting 394 <laughs> with 14 home runs. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Yuli Gurriel. calendar because uh, yeah, Gurriel also has uh, 14 home runs to nine strikeouts since the 23rd of June. Mike Trout and Eugenio Suarez are the only other hitters with double-digit homers uh, in this month of baseball. This last basically 30 days, and they have 10. He has 14. So Jim Bowden. On on HQ, on Fantasy Baseball today, and we have one more episode left this Sunday at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Jim came on, and he said the Astros, he said they used their NASA stuff, basically, I think is what he said, to retool Yuli Gurriel's swing and, and what he was doing in the batter's box. Uh, he went into great mm-hmm. detail. I don't remember everything he said, but it, but I, well, you know, I, it was, you heard it, you remember it? I, I have some details, and and I, you know, they weren't exactly the ones he gave, but I think it's all interrelated. Carlos Beltran convinced Yuli Gurriel that he needed to open his stance more so that he could have both eyes on the ball, uh, which you know, one of it, it sounds similar to one of the most famous stance adjustments of all time, which is Andres Galarraga. Though I doubt the openness of Gurriel's stance is uh quite that exaggerated but it was very close before it is true it was very close before i between that and the fact that his ground ball rate is down almost 10 percent uh you know even with this home run binge he's been on home run to fly ball rate is only 14 percent. it's not like it's crazy high or anything uh so i i think it's i think it's getting to be pretty believable here for Gurriel I I mean I'm I'm pretty much viewing him as just a must-start guy right now and not one I'm particularly interested in selling on are are you interested in buying in like people always a sell high and you're like no actually he's a buy high like where is your Gurriel in your first base and third base rankings uh, to the extent that yeah what what how, what kind of first baseman or third baseman am I buying in the first place? You know, if I had a need, sure. I mean, he's probably an excess part for somebody, and they're probably looking to sell high on him, and maybe I could get a pretty good deal. But, um, you know, I don't actually need a quarter infielder anywhere. <laughs> uh, would you rather have Paul Goldschmidt or Yuli Gurriel? Goldschmidt, come on. Let's not do this. It's a good month. Well, let's not, like, let's not. It's, it's literally Goldschmidt a good now? month. Yeah, Goldschmidt yeah. actually has been kind of kind like of has, hot. He, in the month of July, he has an ex-wOBA oh. of 396, which is really good. But it's not a 1400 OPS, which is what he actually has. Well, what, but, His average exit velocity is 90 miles per hour. Like he's been good, but let's not overreact yeah. here. But it's well, also about let Goldschmidt. Me, let me see if I could change your perspective <laughs> with this funny stat. You ready for a funny stat? Yeah. Who doesn't like funny stats? It's going to take me a few clicks to get Well, that's it, fine, sorry. Scott. June 33rd is reserved for funny stats. So, you know, uh, let's funny hear. Funny stats. Add, 
Yes. So Yuli Gurriel is averaging 3.4 fantasy points per game this season, mm-hmm. which places him between Whit Merrifield and Max Muncie mm-hmm. in the first base mm-hmm. rankings. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wait, so Chris, make Better your case. Why why he's Paul Goldschmidt? His, he's overperforming his expected WOBA for the season. Like, even with the improvements that he's made. All right, so tell me why you're taking Paul I'm Goldschmidt, not... who's been a major bust, over... Because it's Paul Goldschmidt and Yuli Gurriel. It's, it's, it's one, month of, Yuli, it's one it's... month of Yuli Gurriel being better than him. It's July 33rd. In their entire lives. Okay, yeah. No, like, that's literally fine. a month ago is the date that we started this. You think if you own Yuli Gurriel... We're, we're if already you own to Gurriel. say, wow, Yuli no, Gurriel. we're not. We're not. Relax. Third relax. round pick? Relax. If you own Yuli Gurriel, here's, someone here's another funny offered stat. you Goldschmidt. You ready for this? All right, let's Paul go to Scott's funny stat. 2.6 mm-hmm. versus Gurriel's 3.4. This is for mm-hmm. the season now, right? Mm-hmm. That places him between Michael Chavis and Ryan Healy. Mm-hmm. Worse than you mm-hmm. thought, right? No, uh, okay. he hasn't been good. Also, also that's points. Uh Gurriel never strikes out, so obviously that's going to help him in points leagues. It helps. Yeah. Goldschmidt also helps with batting average. Has, also, like, Goldschmidt has, has guys, a please. terrible season up until a month ago. He's had one good month. All right, let me just give a Goldschmidt stat for goodness sake. He has a nine oh. He does have a nine oh two OPS in July, so it's been a better month so far. He hit a grand slam yesterday. Um, wait, so Chris said definitively Goldschmidt. I'm not sure if we got a Scott answer. Gurriel or Goldschmidt? Yeah, I would struggle to place Gurriel ahead, but I don't think it's a ridiculous thought. It's the only point I was trying to make. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, All right, so that's my standout. Uh, We are going to talk a lot about relievers today. I think there are a lot that you you need to pick up as the trade deadline approaches. We may have gotten an idea of who is the closer in San Francisco if Will Smith gets traded, which is no certainty anymore as they are in the thick of the things in the wild card race. Um but Dyson himself could get traded. But Dyson got a save yesterday. Rysel Iglesias was terrible yesterday. Nate Evaldi was terrible yesterday. So I think Brandon Workman looking even better. Uh, more on that later. Uh, any other major standouts that you guys want to talk about? We have emails about uh, about Garver, about Biggio, about Jordan Alvarez. So we'll get to those guys. Scott, or no, Chris, ornery Chris, uh, anybody that you want to hear uh, talk about right now. Nobody's ornery. I don't. I don't know why we would say I'm ornery. Um, Robbie Ray was good. We could talk about that because he seems like a likely trade candidate. Had ten strikeouts. Um, he's been more good than bad this season, right? Okay, let's go to a segment called Robbie Ray and Sonny Gray. Hooray! They were both great yesterday. And yes, well, I, I mean, six innings, three runs with a 150, uh, with a big whip. Can't do it. Just forget it, Adam. Just give up. Uh, Robbie Ray. You need a Diet Coke? I, I don't know what I need. I need a brain transplant. He gave up nine walks plus hits in six innings. So that's 150, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I went. Yeah, uh, that's Robbie Ray for you in a 4.50 ERA. But look, overall, it's a, it's a good trend for him. His last four starts have been have been impressive, uh, and he's at Miami this weekend, so that should continue. Sonny Gray, meanwhile, last five starts: 1.62 ERA, seven walks, 42 strikeouts, and 33 and a third. He's just been dominant. And those five starts for Gray: Cubs, Brewers, at the Rockies, at the Cubs, at the Brewers. <laughs> it hasn't slowed him down. So, who would you guys rather have rest of the season? Chris, would you rather have Ray or Gray? Oh, I'd rather have Gray. Uh, we got a good explanation for why he was going to have a bounce-back season before the season, and it's happened. That that seems like a pretty good reason to to buy it. He talked before the season about how the Yankees just wanted him to be a different pitcher than he is. The Yankees have a very specific approach with their pitchers, and that's not who Sonny Gray is. And so, you know, now that he's relying on the slider more as a put-away pitch and not as a get-ahead pitch, we're seeing him come back to the levels uh, that he was at before he was traded to the Yankees and, and when he was at his best with the athletics. Scott, great. Yeah, even better, that actually. Was, 
pretty apparent from the beginning that Gray had improved skill-wise. We were kind of not giving it the credit it deserved because he was so often going five innings and change. Uh, that's changed over the past five starts, six innings plus in all of them, and three of the five were on plus six innings. Um, but and, and that seems to be more of an approach than anything because you look at the pitch counts. I mean, the Reds are just letting him throw more pitches now than they were earlier in the season, so it it doesn't seem like a fluky thing. It seems like a conscious decision. Ray, uh, his walks are down over his past 10 starts, nine of those 10s are six innings plus himself. And, you know, he was having trouble going deep and deep into games. Yet he has a 433 ERA during that stretch because he's giving up so many home runs. Uh, and as you say, Adam, uh, the whip is a little on the high side considering how many bats he misses. He's, he's definitely useful, but I don't think he's of the same caliber as Gray, who's looking like, you know, a true like number two type starter in fantasy. Yeah, I think Robbie Ray maybe as a sell high. I, I just wonder if, like, if he's gonna throw a lot of strikes, maybe he's just gonna give up a lot of home runs. And if the way to avoid that is is walking more guys, but, uh, but Ray, yeah, I mean, top is he a top fifty pitcher, Robbie Ray? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Is I think so, so, is yeah. Sonny Gray a top thirty pitcher at this point? Um. He might be. I, I'll, I can answer that more definitively when I update my rankings tonight, but he's going to be moving up quite a bit. He's, prob- he's probably ahead of, like, Mike Soroka at this point. So, yeah, there's a good chance he's in the third top 30. Gray or Darvish? Uh, I would rather have Darvish. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd rather have Darvish. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, guys. Uh, Scott, give me a standout. Or you, don't, you, don't, you don't have from to. Yesterday's game. Um, how about Mitch Garver? No, I already eliminated that. Run. We have an email. Ah, I'll just read the email. Okay, here's the email. It's from, it's from AD. Where would you guys rank Mitch Garver among catchers rest of season? I've been trying to sell for for I've been trying to sell high for the last few weeks, but he just keeps raking. Now I feel like I have a distinct advantage <laughs> at the position. Um, where would you rank Mitch Garver? Over the, uh, for the rest of the season. And currently, he is actually 7th in points, 5th in Roto, and he has an, yeah. a 1059 OPS. Like, ridiculous season for Garver. It's actually, like, if, yeah. if you look month by month, he has an 1161 OPS in April and March, 1166 in May, 724 in June, and 1369 in July. I have no idea how this is happening. Scott? I think he's good. I think he's I think he's a really good hitter. He was in the minors. Um, you know, obviously this is a excessive, uh, but you know, in terms of per game production, he's far and away the number one catcher. the The biggest issue for him has just been getting consistent playing time. And even now, it's it's less than ideal, though he is getting the clear majority over Jason Castro. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a two thirds to one third situation. So he's not able to take full advantage of um, the way he's been producing here. I think that makes him, you know, probably on the lower end of the top 10 at the position. If that were to change, you know, probably move into the top six. But right now I probably have him eighth or ninth among catchers. All right. So we have talked about Yuli Gurriel. And and I, I kept saying since June 23rd for Gurriel, I just want everyone to know that I dropped Yuli Gurriel on June 21st, two days before he became no the best hitter now. in baseball. It is a really tough pill to swallow. June 20th, actually. So three days before. Oh, so that's one day yeah, days before? That's I don't feel as bad. That I don't has feel, nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel as bad anymore. Uh, yeah, but that was tough. I dropped him for Ryan McMahon. And he had an OPS it under 700. It was smart. He was having a terrible season. He was. He was. It's true. Uh, we talked about Robbie Ray and Sonny Gray. We talked about Mitch Garver. It's Team Name Tuesday today. Uh, we've got some wonderful Heath size for you. I think we need to share it with the baseball audience. <laughs> we shared it with the football audience yesterday. Uh, so let's let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick break here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, some wonderful comedy. And also, since Chris is so ornery, I'm going to talk about the home run derby curse later. But Ugh. RPs to pick up because uh, <laughs> there will be some trades happening. So we've got a lot of relievers for you to consider. 
and much more from yesterday and a Hey Real Quick Cleveland Indians edition after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Our email of the day is from Kevin. Here are some team names in honor of Scott White's recent BB versus walk usage. Chris, you up to date on this one? Yeah, he says BB per nine. Yeah, it's really strange. Like a weirdo? Yeah, right. Uh, BB hard, the Scotty White story. Because you're mine, I BB the line. BB like an Egyptian. BBing on sunshine. BB or Texas Ranger. Bored BB Empire and the BBing dead or fear the BBing dead. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff. Just, just oh, like, okay, I get BB it. for walk. I get it. It took me a little while to get it. No, I got it. Yeah. Email the day number two is from Brendan in Toronto. A team name for Heath. This one is so long and ridiculous, it might just be perfect. DDU Justice You Say Waka Think You Say. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so I thought that segment was funnier than it actually was. But, it was good. No, uh, I liked it. Okay, good. The Heath side. Did you like uproarious laughter? The Heath side, kind of, oh. is this. On the football podcast, I shared with everybody the Heath side compilation that I've been working on for the past <laughs> few weeks. Chris has heard it. Scott has not. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. The Heath side compilation, volume one. I expect more uh, later on in the offseason for football. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Ah. Oh. Uh. Do it. Do it, do it. Uh, uh. Scott, what'd you think? That was that was tremendous. <laughs> okay, good. I like the do it thrown in there. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. that was that, that that made it. Yeah. It gave it a nice nice touch. All right, stat of the day. Shane Green had eighteen saves through the first two months of the season. He has four saves since May 29th and no saves in July. Shane Green, though, is having a really good year. And he do you think he's actually going to get traded to a place where he will remain the closer? And maybe Shane Green is like a sneaky buy low right now. and This will open up our RP discussion. What do you think? I feel like more contenders don't need a closer than do need a closer. Like... He would be as good of a year as he's had. He'd be a downgrade over what most contenders are looking for, or, or what most contenders already have for the ninth inning. I mean, the Braves obviously need a closer. I imagine if the Brewers acquired somebody who could close, they'd rather them close than than Josh Hader. Uh, the Twins, that that could go either way with Trevor May, but I think they'd per, not Trevor May. Um, Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers, yeah, I think they'd rather use him in more of a Josh Hader role. 
but then, you know, of course, like the Dodgers, they certainly have a closer. The Cubs have a closer. The Nationals have a closer. Red Sox. Red Sox could use a closer, yeah. Though I I don't know that I necessarily trust Alex Cora to use whoever they get like a closer. All right, well, it's just yeah, a thought. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to find one. Well, because he's also not the best closer on the market. So Far he not back. only has to find... He has to be traded to a team that needs a closer. He also needs that team to not be trade trading for Will Smith. Right. Yeah, or Ken Giles. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so then let's talk about some other relief pitchers to add ahead of the trade deadline. Well, first of all, I think as the Red Sox bullpen stands right now, yesterday was a good day for Brandon Workman. Was it entirely surprising to see Nate Evaldi come off the IL for that long of a stretch and struggle? No, but he was absolutely terrible. So Brandon Workman is an RP to add. Sean Kelly, who you see in the graphic if you're watching the video, Sean Kelly's on the IL. The Rangers haven't won. You know, I think they have like an eight or nine game losing streak. Uh, but Jose Leclerc, do you guys have any interest in picking up Jose Leclerc? He's more or less turned his season around. You go back 28 appearances now, 307 ERA, nine walks, 46 strikeouts, and 29 and a third. Um, but Sean Kelly might not miss that much time. Anyway, in terms of Workman and, and Leclerc, really, do you guys have interest in picking those guys up? I'd rather pick up Leclerc because I, I just Agreed. I can't. Like I said, I, Alex Cora, I don't trust to commit to a closer. Uh, that being said, Chris Martin is also a possibility to close for the Rangers, especially if they're trying to up his trade value. Uh, but Leclerc uh, is signed long term. I think he's yellow. Oh, Ad- I Adam it. gets okay. it. Oh, yeah, I, get I, it. I get it now. After Scott said, "Oh, I get it." Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I get it. Come on. Yeah. All right. I'm going to think of more Coldplay puns. Uh, guys, the, the clocks are he ticking He throws his here. fastball at the speed of sound. <laughs> and I said clocks. the obvious. I one. said clocks. I said clocks. So, <laughs> all right. Moving on then. Uh, Reds bullpen. Should we stash Michael Lorenzen or anybody? Because Rysel Iglesias has a 460 ERA and a 140 whip. Uh, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I feel like Iglesias has been doing this all year. And, you know, it's not like Lorenzen is some lights-out reliever. He's fine. Uh, yesterday, it was Jared Hughes who got the saves. And he was kind of the the Iglesias fallback option last year rather than Lorenzen. So I feel like it's pretty messy there. And I would guess Iglesias is still in the driver's seat. Should yeah. we pick up Hunter Strickland? He's a bit forgotten about, but I don't see how he no. wouldn't be the closer. Well, well, Elias has been pretty good, no, although he is also really. a trade target. He really hasn't been that good for, for a while. I think his ERA is over 4 Rowena Elias. I don't know. I feel like they acquired Strickland I to mean, be their closer. If that's the um, standard. What they acquired, if Rowena Elias hasn't been good is the standard. I mean, Hunter Strickland. Yeah. No, Elias's ERA is much worse than I thought. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I think Hunter Strickland's sneaky. I mean, the Mariners aren't very good, but Strickland was a, you know, he, he had, what, he had two saves. He had two saves. I mean, look, three he, appearances. He, he's got a chance. <laughs> sure. Right. It, it's not, he's not someone that I'd be beating down the door to add before he, he gets back into that role. But yeah, if you're speculating and you have a roster spot to, to spare at this point in the season, uh, sure. I think the most interesting speculative pickup you've brought up so far is Leclerc. What about Sam Dyson, who got to save for the Giants yesterday? See, Sam Dyson could get traded himself. If he doesn't, I, I would imagine he is the one to replace Will Smith, who I think Will is Smith almost needs certainly to get gone. First. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if he's not traded. But, you know, there's some rumblings that the Giants because they've been hot lately, might try to make a push for it. I, I doubt, given that GM's history and, uh, you know, I, I think he'd be able to size up their roster until it's not very good. Um, so they probably won't do that. And Will Smith's a free agent at season's end. He's, you know, everybody's interested in him. I'd be shocked if he's not traded. And Sam Dyson might follow him out the door. Okay, so any other... I'm working on a cold play pun. Any other... 
relievers that you want to pick up right now in anticipation of the trade deadline. I mean, Joe Jimenez has been terrible, but could step into a closer's role in Detroit, which, again, four saves for Shane Green in two months. Uh, a couple blown saves in there, but still. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think? Are there any names that come to mind that we're going to be seeing on the most added lists in a week? Uh, no. <laughs> like, maybe Nick Not... Anderson gets the opportunity if the Marlins find someone to take on Sergio Romo, but... That's not even clear that he'd be the guy. So, and it's not exactly a good opportunity either. So, it, it, it's yeah. pretty hard. You know, we've got eight days left until the deadline. We just, there's so many teams that are kind of in between out and in mm-hmm. that I think the next five or six days will start to clear out a lot. I mean, the Marlins are clearly in the playoff race, but it, it, a lot of other teams we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Marlins. Uh, far and away the worst team in the National League. But uh, basically every other NL team but the Marlins is in it to a degree, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe not. No, I mean, that. every other There's team in the National gap. League, every team in the National League right now has at least 45 wins except for the Marlins, and the wild card yeah. spot has 53 wins. So, yeah. It, it could be really fun because there there are no August trades allowed anymore, right? So teams have to decide if they're in or they're out just a little over a week here and that could make for a much more active trade deadline or it could make for a uh, you know we we can't quite get a good enough offer to give up on this season so we're not going to do anything it'll be it'll be fun to watch play out okay so if your relief pitcher who was about to get traded and screw your fantasy team could talk to you he might say in a compilation of Coldplay songs he might say don't panic Closers will be moving at the speed of sound, and there will be good players available. It's like a sky full of stars. You can find someone to put in my place, and that guy will fix you. You'll be the scientist of your fantasy roster. Pitching updates. Max Scherzer seems on track to start this weekend. Cole Hamels will begin a rehab assignment today. Max uh, Zach Wheeler expected to start on Friday. It would be so Mets-like to rush him back just so they could up his trade value and like harm his career. I'm just... Don't that I hope that doesn't happen. Brandon Woodruff expected to miss about six weeks, and Garrett Cole is now your major league leader with 205 strikeouts. Second fastest in history to 200 strikeouts. What do you think? Who do you think will have? What will be higher? Sorry, Garrett Cole's strikeouts or the Minnesota Twins' home runs? They are on pace for 306. Garrett Cole has 205 strikeouts right now. So he's probably got about. 12 starts left, I would guess. Um, maybe a little more. I'm going to say cold be... strikeout. Uh, yeah, I think so. I get, just because, you know, you get more people who have to continue the pace for the Twins, and that makes it tougher. It's just one guy who has to do reach the Cole number. Look at that. There's your graphic. Fast, uh, fewest innings to reach 200 strikeouts. Randy Johnson in 2001. With 130 and two thirds, and Garrett Cole in 2019, uh, just beating Chris Sale last year by two and two thirds innings. Okay, more news. Jordan Alvarez, we're going to talk about in a bit. He became the first player since RBIs became an official stat in 1920 to drive in 35 runs in his first 30 games. Albert Pujols had 34 RBIs in his first 30 career games. Michael Chavis could go on the IL with back spasms. Uh, I did not mention this, uh, but San Diego pitcher Adrian Morejon, 8% owned, did make his major league debut. He only pitched two and a third. Um, but any interest in Adrian More Morejon? Excuse me. He's a pretty big prospect, but they're planning to use... I, he technically did start in his first game, but he was used like an opener. I understand the plan is to treat him more like a bullpen arm yep. than a starter, so... Uh, you know, it's, long term, he probably is a starter, but uh, this year I don't have much interest. Brandon Lau is still a ways away from returning. Yandy Diaz left after fouling the ball off his foot, and he will have x-rays. Brad Peacock may not return as a starting pitcher as he recovers from a shoulder injury. So Urquidy is in the rotation. Armenteros was sent down, right? Yep. So Urquidy, big audition for him coming up this week. Might want to pick him up now just in case he has another big start. Keston Hira sat with quad tightness, but he did pinch run. D. Gordon left with quad soreness. Bad year. 
Matt Carpenter expected back on Friday. Tyler Malley is on the IL with a hamstring injury. Ryan Zimmerman is on the IL with plantar fasciitis. And Howie Kendrick, by the way, has only started three of the last 14 games since Zimmerman came off the IL. Uh, so there were no lefties in that stretch. It was all, all right-handed pitchers. But you got Matt Adams, you got Brian Dozier, you got Howie Kendrick. This should help Kendrick. But, boy, three of 14 starts, that's bad. Three of 14 games started. Nationals hate him. Apparently. C.J. Crone is on the IL with thumb inflammation. Miguel Sano has first base eligibility now. Tim Beckham is nearing a rehab assignment. Carlos Correa should be back on Friday. And the Yankees set a record last year with 267 homers as a team. Five teams are on pace to top that, including the Twins, who are on pace, as mentioned, for 306 home runs. There have already been more home runs this season than the entire 2014 season. Whoa. (laughs) Jeez. All right, guys, let's do some hay real quick. The Cleveland Show edition. So a lot of Cleveland Indians in this. Mike Clevenger. Oh, okay. Different Cleveland show. Right. Uh, Quagmire or Mike Clevenger or Shane Bieber or Trevor Bauer. Hey, real quick. Biebs. Is that quick enough for you? I didn't even say his full name. The Cleve. Bieber. All right. How about rank them? Clevenger, Bieber, Bauer. Rank them. Um... Yeah, I, I'm going to go Bauer in between Bieber and Clevenger, though mostly because I am worried about a recurrence of the injury for Clevenger. I mean, in terms of actual production, Clevenger might be better than Bauer. Okay. Hey, real quick, Andrew Benintendi or Oscar Mercado? I mean, the answer is probably would... Benintendi, but there's not much reason for it. Yeah, it's just a, it's just an allegiance to the the history, the track record. Right. Which which, you know, counts for something. Andrew Benintendi hit his mm-hmm. first home run since June 10th yesterday. His second home run since May 29th. He's been pretty bad for about a year now. Like he fell off in the second half last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And basically yeah. hasn't recovered. Mm. It's true. Well, Speaking, I'm looking up the exact numbers ugly. right now. So last 365 days, 206, 266 batting average, 744 OPS, 10 home runs, 13 steals, 80 runs, 69 RBI, and 139 games. That's yeah, it's not very good. That's like Adam Eaton. If only Fenway Park were were a left-handed hitter's park, you know, it'd be so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Eugenio Suarez or Jose Ramirez. Hey, real quick. Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Yeah. Got to go with Jose. Yeah, he's definitely he turned it around. Like, certainly seems that way. He, certainly. I wish it was a little bit louder. I, I wish, wish he were a baller. Yeah, I was, gonna, <laughs> I was trying to make that continuation to him. He yeah. might wish he was uh, a little bit taller. He might. He might yeah. Yeah, I, I did want to bring up Suarez, though, because he double-donged yesterday. He's been on a, a pretty nice run, but he's still just the 15th best third baseman in fantasy this season. 253 with 26. Crazy numbers. what's happened. Yeah, well, all he does fantasy is home baseball's run. ruined. Well, this guy's one-dimensional. He doesn't run. He, he doesn't, you know, he's not like he's a great walks guy, plate discipline guy. He's got 16 doubles this year. So it's just homers, and that has not... Really, and he, that's not going to make you stand out, doubles. right? You, you know, he doesn't stand out anymore in this environment. Yeah, and he's he seems to have given back some of the gains that he had last year, and he's turning more into the 2017 version, which is not a bad thing. He was a good player in 2017, but given the offensive environment, he's actually falling behind. I think he has an 8.52 OPS, Eugenio Suarez. Like that's good. I'm not. He's he's useful. 15th best third baseman is not sure. bad. Of course. Uh, but we like Ramirez like he's, better. He's, yeah. I, I I imagine there's probably a 12-team head-to-head points league out there somewhere where somebody can't fit him in their lineup. You know, yeah. third yeah. base, utility, they're both filled with better players, which is crazy to think about. But it's it's possible. Somebody right now is either wishing they could drop Suarez or trying to trade him and not able to. It's crazy. Let's read some important emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. First one is from Chris, not Towers. Different Chris. 
I would be curious to hear your assessment of where Jordan Alvarez ranks for next year. He has been unconscious since being called up. And yes, that is true. Jordan Alvarez has an 1130 OPS uh, with a 37.9% home run to fly ball rate. But uh, where is he? I think Chris is making the case he should be a first round pick. What do you guys think about Jordan Alvarez? Different Chris. Yes, different Chris the emailer. I I do not think he should be a first round pick. I don't think he has the the skill set to justify that. Um cuz I don't think he's going to be a huge help in batting average. You know, he's hitting what 340 right now. That's with a very high BABIP and you would think he might be a guy who can sustain a high BABIP, but even that is unsustainable. You add in the unsustainable home run to fly ball rate. Yes, at this point, I do think you would have to take him over Eloy Jimenez and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. In a dynasty league, Those guys league, do though. have the stronger pedigree. That was oh, the, not in a dynasty that, that was the question. In a dynasty league, how would you rank Alvarez, Eloy, and Vlad? That was the second part of this email. I think yeah, I'd go, go Vlad, Vlad uh, Alvarez, Jimenez. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay, so is he a second-round pick in drafts next year? When would you take Jordan Alvarez? No. Well, I mean, let's try and pin down the batting average here because Chris is right between Babbitt regression, home run to fly ball regression, which both seem highly likely, um, that he's going to lose a lot on the batting average. So does that peg him as like a 265 to 280 hitter, Chris, or are you thinking even lower than that? Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably right, like 265 to 280 seems like a good range. I'm trying to look up, trying to do a little quick math right now, actually. Okay. So I mean, someone he's else hitting talk. the crap out of the ball, but you know he is. There, there's a a degree to which that's unsustainable. You could well, but even lots of guys hit the ball hard. Nobody sustains a 414 yeah. Babbitt or a 38 percent home run to fly ball rate. Even Christian Yelich, who has been the outlier of all outliers two years in a row has been at 35%. Okay, yep. so he's not going to go as high as Ronald Acuna went in this year's draft, which was late first, early second. But I do think he could be in the Juan Soto territory, who was 30th in ADP. Uh, I think mid-third round is, I'm guessing, where Alvarez will fall, somewhere around there. Mm. I mean, he has to sustain this for, you know, or something close to this for another month and a half. I feel like right now my guess would be he'd be more like a like a fifth or sixth rounder uh, for us. But you know, we were the ones saying Ronald oh, Cunha is going think people to are going to overpay for him yes, next year. I do. Okay, we'll see how the Maybe. next two months go. Uh, right, but I don't think he has a skill set that's quite as conducive to fantasy as um, as Juan Soto does. All right, next email. And Chris, if you find what you were looking for. Chris still hasn't found what he's looking for. Uh, 280 seems like a deep, like if, if he had a 25% home run to fly ball rate and a 350 BABIP right now, he'd be hitting 280. So I think that still puts him on the you know 95th percentile in BABIP and home run to fly ball rate outcomes. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's also the possibility that he improves his strikeout rate, but I think... You know, 270, 280 is probably a more realistic batting average expectation. And, and just one other thing to throw in there real quick. He's probably going to be DH only next year. And you remember how, or mm, maybe not, okay. but when David that's Ortiz true. was in the fantasy player pool, that DH only status always make, seemed to make him drop, you know, three or four rounds lower than his actual production suggested he should go. So I, I think it might be like more like eighth yeah, round you know for what? Alvarez. That's a great point. I the the DH Jordan Alvarez DH only. I completely reset. He will not be a top thirty pick, no way. And yeah, that's that's a good point. All right, next email is about Kevin Biggio, who is now eighteenth in points leagues for Scott, fifteenth for Heath. And the question from Dane is, why do we keep ranking Kevin Biggio as a top sixteen second baseman? He stinks. <laughs> <laughs> to the point. That's a good question. Uh, because he 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 walks a lot. He has um, batted ball tendencies that would seem to lend themselves to being a big power hitter. He can run, steal bases. Like there's, there's an exciting package there, but it's been pretty lackluster lately, and there have been enough interesting second basemen to pop up that 
Uh, he probably deserves to be outside of the top 20 now. He he also, right now at least, based on the skill set that he currently has, uh, might be like a 220 to 230 hitter. There's not a ton of bad luck going into his 212 bat, batting average. And, you know, this was something that some of the scouting reports worried about coming up for him was he he's always walked a ton. He's always had a a good, I guess, plate discipline. He doesn't swing at a lot of bad pitches. The problem is he doesn't swing a lot of good pitches either. He's got, you know, he only swings at 15% of pitches outside of the strike zone, which is awesome, but he only swings at 55% of pitches inside of the strike zone as well. He doesn't swing, and... Yeah, that'll lead to a lot of walks. It'll also lead to a lot of two-strike counts, a lot of strikeouts. And also, you just... Hitters tend to do better when they swing earlier in the count. And I think there's a difference between plate discipline and passivity. And I think he falls more on the passivity end than the, you know, elite plate discipline. It's not a Joey Votto situation. All right, here's Shimmy in Northbrook. Subject line, how good is a 125 whip, 1.25 whip? We talked about this yesterday. Uh, In our 36-year-old 12-team NL-only keeper league, it's a roto league, that's a very good whip, 125. All of the teams in our league are active with fab or making pickups for this year or the future, uh, though mostly through mostly dump trades. Right now, a 125 whip gets third place. Our first three teams are 111, 122, and then 125. So that's an NL only. So are you playing only. an NL only league? What'd you say, Scott? He plays. It's an NL only yeah. league. He said. Right. So. Yeah. So do you think that it means would, it would be it would be in the lower third of our twelve team uh, mixed roto league? It would be in the lower third. I looked at uh, it yesterday oh, when we were talking about it. Interesting. Okay. Well, Shimmy. Yeah. Thanks for not now. Thank you for the email. But yeah, NL only. Obviously, the standards are different than they are in in. Um, Mixed leagues, so lower third, one twenty-five whip, which was Marcus Stroman's whip, and uh, he was a top, he was a, the like a the forty-fifth best starting pitcher entering Monday. And the final email is from David. Did Giancarlo Stanton have more different injuries this year than games played? I don't think so. <laughs> I think he had four injuries and eight games played, or something like that. Did he get to eight games played? Seven or eight. Seven or. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Are you talking right. in the past tense? Is he out for the year? Did I miss something? No, but so far. So well, just far. to date. Yeah. Okay. How many games? Eight games, Chris? I'm not looking it up. Okay, I'll look it up. <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton has played eight, nine games. Yeah, this has oh. been a really bad season for my Giancarlo Stanton just had bad luck, but it's still just bad luck. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. He played, I think he was like fourth in baseball in games played the last two years combined. All right, when so, we come back, uh, we will try to get rid of the Giancarlo Stanton voodoo doll that somebody has. When we come back, Home Run Derby curse and more from yesterday and more Team Name Tuesday after this quick break on Fantasy Baseball today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, home run derby. Man. Pete Alonso is still in the home run derby. All he does is hit home runs, but usually makes outs. Since the All-Star break, he's batting 118 with three home runs. No doubles or triples. He has three three hits in his last seven games overall. They're all home runs. So he's been bad. Vlad has, I guess, been bad. He only has one extra base hit, but he's been bad most of the year. One extra base hit since the All-Star break. And Josh Bell... Uh, has uh, a 156 batting average, a 219 slugging percentage, no home runs since the home run derby. Doesn't matter what Jack Peterson and Ronald Acuna have done. They don't fit the narrative <laughs> or the storyline here, or Alex Bregman or Matt Chapman. Um, 
But yeah, it's real. No, really, this is just um, an excuse to talk <laughs> about all these guys. So let's look at the eight home run derby participants. And you tell me what you expect going forward because some of them are ice cold. Pete Alonzo won the home run. Oh, you know what? We'll start with Josh Bell. Uh, what are we going with? Graphics department? We're going with Pete Alonzo. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. Pete Alonzo <laughs> won the home run derby since the All-Star break batting 118 with five walks, 14 strikeouts, three homers, no doubles, triples. Uh, Scott, expectations for Alonzo? I think he'll be a top six or seven first baseman and contend for the home run title. Okay, great. Yeah, he's gonna hit two fifty and strike out a lot and hit a bunch hit a bunch of dongs. That's how we're doing this segment, guys. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., finalist for the home run derby. Uh second half expectations for Vlad. I'm not ready to change my opinion that he could have like the sort of second half Ronald Acuna had last year. I'm not saying that's the most likely outcome, but uh, I'm I'm still excited to roster him in the hopes of that happening. I mean, the skills are clearly, as he showed in the home run derby as much as ever, they're off the charts. Josh Bell. Agreed. Chris, why don't you talk about Josh Bell, what you expect since the All-Star, since the All-Star break batting 156 with no home runs. Uh, I expect a hitter more in the 7 to 10 range at first base. I expect a good hitter, but probably not uh, someone who's going to flirt with 350 homers, which hasn't changed since the home run derby. Now, he's had uh, a really bad about a month, uh, especially when it comes to batting average. There has been some bad luck there, though. Uh, It's not like his strikeout rate has spiked. He is... I think he'll be good. You know, 270, probably 15 home runs for the rest of the season. A a first baseman that you never have to think about benching. How about, so I, oh, it sounds yeah. like you would prefer Alonzo rest of season then. I think so. Okay. It, yeah, I mean, it's probably close. I, you, I would just, I would still take Bell in the top five at first base, though, you know, right now there's, a three at the top there, Bellinger, Freeman, and Bell, at least in points leagues that are outliers. You know, they're they're way ahead of everybody else at the position, and Bell probably falls more into the second group now. How about Junk Peterson? He's been very good since the All-Star break, and he's 84% owned. 241 batting average, which is what you can expect, but a 586 slugging percentage, three home runs and a double since the break. Uh, definitely somebody I dropped. That same league I dropped Guriel. I dropped J- Junk Peterson. Uh, and now he's making me pay, but I don't regret it because I don't think he's worth owning in 84% of leagues. Hmm. That's, you know, it's, I, I generally don't use platoon players in weekly leagues, you know, at least weekly mixed leagues um, of normal size. And he's kind of been an exception to that rule this year because he's been so good. But obviously, he's still much more valuable in a daily lineup league where you can only start him when he's in the lineup. Yeah, I think he's fringy in a weekly league. Okay, that's Junk Peterson. Ronald Acuna, since becoming the leadoff hitter, uh, he's been on fire since the All-Star break, by the way. Uh, it seems jo- Jock Peterson and Ronald Acuna are showing that losing in the second round is the sweet spot. That's what you want to do with the home run <laughs> derby. Uh, but since Clear. becoming the leadoff hitter on May 10th, he is the number five hitter in points leagues, number three in Roto. The steals have gone way up. He has 19 steals since May 10th. He basically didn't run before that, except on opening day. Um, so Acuna, yeah, he's he's a stud. He is a top five pick in drafts next year, buy or sell, Acuna. Oh, without question, I think. Hmm. I would sell it, but not by much. When I did, when I last looked at, you know, projected the first two rounds for next year, I had him in, I think, 11th. And yeah, I mean, he's he's trending up from there. Uh, it's pos- He's on a 30-30 pace now. You Do you know the last Brave who had a 30-30 season? Any guesses? It was Ron Gant. I was going to say, Ron, you can't say any guesses well, and wait half a second. Not even. Like, you didn't even breathe. Any guesses? It was Ron Gant. Well, Come look, on, Scott White. I thought you didn't have truck in there faster. I, I waited a beat. Did I not? That wait was a beat? it was a half beat at best. <laughs> yeah. Come okay. on. Oh, man. You got to take the clock. Isn't the best. And I you usually need, feel like I take too long. Scott, to say things, it's so. 
do you want to guess pregnant pause? Then you say it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I, I thought you'd at least jump in with a yeah. yeah well, I was, thinking, I was thinking. You didn't give him a <laughs> You didn't give me a chance to take a little BB in my mind and think about it. Okay, Ron Gay. All right, so if they say, though, you know, in, they say, well, you know what? Ronald Acuna is actually going to back cleanup for us in 2020. He drops a round. <laughs> he comes a second I mean, round pick. It didn't last long, right? I mean, batting orders are constantly changing. I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. And he should like. There's no good reason why he doesn't run from the cleanup spot. They just don't do I it, don't, and they never have. Yeah, yeah. We, we were I on top like, of this. Snicker, Snicker said at the start of the year he's free to run as much as he wants. But then, basically. but but he so I don't know if it's as much a team policy as a mental block for Acuna. I don't know. Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman, uh, good man. Four forty four batting average since the all-star break losing in the first round is really the best thing to do at the home run derby matt chapman is 10th in points 14th in roto for the season at third base but he's hot right now um thoughts he's awesome he is awesome. really really good okay mm-hmm. carlos santana He's the other guy who's been struggling since the Derby, but he lost in the first round. 175 batting average, two home runs since the break. Seven walks, nine strikeouts. Just seems like a little bit of a slump. Uh, still believe in him as a as a stud, as an improved version of the old Carlos Santana. Yeah, I think he's improved. Uh, I don't think he's going to be quite as good as the first half, but... Uh... He's, you know, he's made the necessary adjustments to start hitting for average, which he, it always seemed like he should because he didn't strike out much, but he, he would just sold out for fly balls so much. He's not doing that this year. Finally, Alex Bregman lost in the first round of the home run derby, and he's been himself since the all-star break, batting 286 though, which is nice because for the year, he's still batting 269, and power's there, plate discipline is amazing. 246 BABIP this season for Bregman. But the last time we talked about him, it was like, well, he's been a little disappointing in Roto. He's the number six third baseman in Roto because the batting average isn't great. But of course, it's going to come up, and it really hasn't. So where are we now with Alex Bregman? He's going to hit closer to 300 than 250. I feel very confident saying that. It might be 285. And so he finishes the year with like a 270 something batting average, but you know, um, still probably a fringe first rounder next year. I think probably a first rounder in points leagues, but you know, maybe drops to the second rounding five by five. Easy first rounder. Well, much easier in points. Not leagues. running as much. Much easier in points leagues though, because he has more walks than strikeouts. A lot more. Yeah. Okay. So um, we've got about uh, five to ten minutes left. Let's take a look at yesterday's action a little bit more. One hitter I wanted to talk about, guys, Renato Nunez, 48% owned. In his last 18 games, he is slugging 712, an 1104 OPS for Renato Nunez, and only five left-handed starters in that stretch. He's better against lefties. Renato Nunez homered off Robbie Ray yesterday. But, uh, yeah, 48% owned for Nunez. Thoughts, uh, Chris? I think he could probably be owned a little more than that, but not too much more. He's not someone that if he's on the wire, I'm rushing out to grab him because he's really just going to be a source of power and not much else. And we all know it's 2019. It's not that hard to find power. Nope. Two-man rotation. Eduardo Rodriguez dominates the Rays. And he's 96% owned, 85% started, gets the Yankees this weekend, and then at the Yankees next week for Eduardo Rodriguez. And Marco Gonzalez actually has been better lately. Marco Gonzalez, last eight starts. He's 6-2 and two with a 3.58 ERA, a 117 whip. You know you're not going to get a lot of strikeouts from Marco Gonzalez. But of Eduardo Rodriguez and Marco Gonzalez, are either of them, are both of them must-start guys in your mind? I don't know that I'd put either in that. I mean, I definitely wouldn't put Gonzalez in that class. Uh, I'm not even sure I'd want to dedicate a roster spot to him. Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, is a little less than must start, though these past four starts have been more befitting of his uh, 
his skill set, I feel like. Except the strikeouts have dropped. He's pitched much better, but the strikeouts have been low. And that's actually not too surprising when you look at the profile of how he's choosing his pitches. He's gone down to uh, basically not using his slider at all, and his cutter rate is down to 12%. He's pretty much been a fastball changeup guy over the last, uh, you know, in the month of July. Mm, Interesting. Well, next two starts are against the Yankees, so I'll just ask for this weekend. Would you start Eduardo Rodriguez at home against the Yankees? And if you're curious, he has faced them once, and the numbers weren't great, but it was in London. So he actually had the best start of the three actual starters who pitched that weekend. The Yankees use it opener. But uh, would you start Eduardo Rodriguez against the Yankees this weekend at home? I'd be wary. Yeah, I mean, it would depend how I'm doing in ERA and WHIP. If it's a categories league, if it's a points league, I think. Obviously, yes. Okay. So, do you realize the Yankees are making their first trip to Fenway Park all season this week? How strange is that? Weird. Yeah, the London games were home games for the Red Sox, but even still. All right, fringy starting pitchers. Who do you want? Martin Perez. Daniel Ponce de Leon. Trevor Williams. CeCe Sabathia. Chase Anderson, who's actually good yesterday and Trevor Richards a craptastic group of fringy starting pitchers Martin Perez Daniel Ponce de Leon Trevor Williams CeCe Sabathia Chase Anderson and Trevor Richards I guess Ponce de Leon is my favorite among this group it's not it's not a great group no all of these guys you can cut loose um yeah I I I guess I'd make a case for Trevor Williams but I don't really want to (laughs) <laughs> he's not very good. He might be. He's been he's terrible. He was since, good yesterday. He's been terrible since he's coming not. off the IL. Except yesterday, he yeah. was good yesterday. I I didn't mention him. He and Chase Anderson were were good yesterday. It's just it's one of these situations where we like try to like twelve dimensional chess our way into explaining why a guy with mediocre peripherals can pitch well, and it's just he's not that good. Except he did it for a year, yep. and then he went on the IL, and he was bad after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ulysse Chassin did it for like two years, right? And it finally caught up to him. Yeah, like it, it will catch up eventually, and you cannot know when it's going to catch up. So at some point, and here's the problem. When, when you're looking at like a Trevor Williams guy or, or Ulysse Chassin, and you're riding this hot streak, one bad start, you're probably like, well... I'll give him another chance. He's been so good, he's earned it. And then two bad starts, all of a sudden your ERA is starting to inflate. You're not going to cut him, so you're going to hang on. And it's just, I don't like that strategy. Deeply. Yeah. No, that that exact approach burned me with Zach Eflin in Tout Wars this year. Uh, somebody dropped him when he was still pitching well. I needed pitching. It's 15-team league. And, you know, the bad starts begin coming for Eflin in a way that was predictable. And it's like, well, you know, I don't want to remove him when he bounces back. And then it just kept getting worse. Finally had to cut him loose. But yeah, he did a lot more harm than good to my team. All right, Deep Leaks. Gio Urshela is really having a nice year. He has an 839 OPS. He doesn't play nearly enough. Um, but Urshela is 26% owned. And, and I think that's about right. I, I don't think it should be much higher than that. But Matt Weeters, if you need a catcher and you're in a super deep league, he's hitting well right now for what it's worth, and he's filling in for Yadi Molina. Uh, Ivan Nova threw a complete game, gave up one run against the Marlins. They're, we're not interested. And Jalen Beeks is 9% owned. I had to make a tough call because I picked him up. Jalen Beeks in a roto league. I like him after an opener. I don't like him starting against the Red Sox, and he was awful yesterday. But I do think that yeah. maybe 9% is a little low for Jalen Beeks. What do you think? Eh, I don't want him in a mixed league. All right. Uh, team name Tuesday to finish off today's show. Mad Bum Odor. Like Mad, bu- Mad Bum Odor. Oh, okay, yeah. Mercado uh, about nothing. juvenile. Yeah, Mer- Mercado about nothing. <laughs> which has now replaced Machado about nothing. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Machado. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a stretch. Hit Matt Beattie one more time or hit me Beattie one more ton. Tin? M- Morton. Charlie Morton. Uh, yeah, no, the second one. Okay. 
I get it. Second one's worse. Yeah, it is worse. Too many. Don't try and cram too many names in there. Persona Moncada. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think we may have had that before, but it's good. Do I stay or where do I go? Like, where do we go? You're trying too hard. That's a Heath one. (laughs) Walking on Sunshade. Okay. For Shane Green. Sunshade? Shane Green. Come on. Like, that's... Come on. You're using Shane as... Right, yeah. I, I, I would have thought Shane Bieber. Shane He for put Shane Green. Not, no. uh, Las Vargas, Nevada, and Neris, France. That's good. Yeah, that's solid. Two different team names, but yeah, they're they're good. Las Vargas, Nevada is good. You've just... Viva Las Vargas. Yes. That's great. Uh, <laughs> Ronald McRendonald. Like, it's got Rendon in there. <laughs> Ronald McRendonald. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> TDU Justice You Say Waka Think You Say it is a very good team name. That's really good. All right, we're out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody. For Chris, for Scott, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today.